What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Warning. This episode contains descriptions of domestic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Lighthouse is a production of iHeartRadio and Bamford Productions. When you're 18 and full of ambition, you don't always think things through. Of course, I was happy to be out of Lighthouse, away from my crumbling family life and the oppressive darkness that lived there. For the first time in my entire life, I finally felt free. Free to pursue what I desired, free to make my own choices, and free from the overbearing gloom that I had grown so accustomed to. College was a high point in my life and will forever remain just that. But college doesn't last forever. The lulls in studying come more often than I realized. When I left Lighthouse at 18, I was so sure I wouldn't have to return until I was done with my degree. And even then, I was hopeful to get a job straight from there. You don't think about the holidays or summer breaks, where they often force you to leave campus, sending you back home, where people often enjoyed the times with their families. Not me. If possible, I tried to avoid going back to the house by either staying with new friends taking on odd jobs to pay for off-campus housing, or in one situation, hiding out in my dorm room for two weeks, hoping that no one would notice. But during times I had nowhere else to go, nowhere else to turn, I returned to Lighthouse, much to my dismay. Even then I tried to spend as much time out of the house as possible, but at the end of the day, the outcome was the same. 
I had to return home. My days and nights there were filled with more of the same as when I was a child. Restless evenings and encounters with the various entities that roamed its halls. I did my best to ignore them, avoiding spots I knew they would frequent. But sometimes it was impossible not to engage. And my family was... Well, things with them were getting worse by the day. A part of me was sad I couldn't do anything to fix it. But the rest of me was just glad I didn't have to watch it unfold before my eyes in real time. As much as I wanted to help, I couldn't help those who didn't want to help themselves. Instead, I merely saw snapshots, flashes of the deterioration every three months or so when I spent time at the house. When I first left for college, I thought my life was finally just beginning. But when I was finished with college, which unfortunately was not on my own terms, I realized how low life could get. I had no choice but to return to Lighthouse then, but that was not even the worst of it. No, that was to come shortly after I moved back home and realized that Lighthouse demanded a sacrifice, one that my family would pay for in blood. Lighthouse, Chapter 4, 1973 Over my years away, my family drifted further and further apart. My father, drunk and unemployed, spent what little he had from workers' compensation on his vices, spending long days still in his study. When he wasn't in there, he was often getting angry at the slightest altercations, beating my mother for them, and then falling asleep back in his study. It was a cycle that was oft-repeated, and while I was thankful to not be privy to it while I was away, the moments I did see broke my heart. My mother tried to stand up for herself a few times, but over the years, she stopped trying. She would never win in these fights, and though she once had some sway over my father's actions, she had lost that since moving into the house. Instead, she coped in her own way, taking solace in a bottle of her own. She was often lost in her thoughts, staring into space, perhaps imagining a better life for herself. She once stood tall, a smart, respectable woman conscious of her appearance and self-worth. Now, she was lucky if she even got dressed for the day. Alcoholism was beginning to run in the family. Lini was... Well, despite our meager age difference, it was obvious that Lighthouse had stunted her growth and maturity. While there were flashes of her acting like a mature young adult, she seemed to be stuck as an eight-year-old version of herself. She wasn't making many friends at school, and often spent her time isolated, much like my parents. However, she had a friend, Abigail, who she spoke of often. She spent much of her time with her in the dark room. Unfortunately, those things concerned me. The days leading up to my eventual return to Lighthouse for breaks, I was often thrown into a terrible depression. My mood would dampen, and I was inconsolable. My sleep was plagued with nightmares, nightmares about everything the house had to offer. And sometimes, just sometimes, 
I thought I would catch glimpses of the man in the hat around campus. It was silly to think that, of course, as I was sure that he couldn't be anywhere but the house. I did have a bright spot. Someone that could make me feel better and showed me that the world I wanted to live in was worth fighting for. His name was Mark Henderson. I met Mark shortly after I arrived at college. I was assigned a room, but a few weeks in, I began to have issues with my roommate. Instead of waiting it out until the next semester, my roommate went behind my back to complain about me to the housing authority, which resulted in my getting a room change, which thankfully worked out to my advantage anyway. On the day of the move, I lugged my suitcases across campus to my new building as a light rain began to fall. I tripped over something on my way, perhaps a rock or my own clumsy feet, and even though I was fine, when the suitcases hit the ground, one of them sprang open. Clothing spilled all over the sidewalk, and with the rain coming down harder, they were getting soaked. I quickly dropped to my knees, embarrassed, and began to grab at everything. The wind was picking up and caught some of my shirts in the breeze, taking them further away. I was about to cry in despair, thinking that I would never catch them, when he appeared. Tall, strong, and handsome, Mark grabbed the wayward clothing for me and helped me gather everything back to where they were supposed to be. I had never met him before that moment, but he was kind enough to carry my suitcases for me the rest of the way. Once inside, both of us drenched, I got my first good look at him and instantly fell in love. And to think all of that before he even introduced himself. After that, we were inseparable. Aside from a few puppy love encounters when I was a young girl, Mark was my first true boyfriend. The entirety of my college career, we were together. I spent some holidays with him and his family and even went on vacation a time or two. We grew close, and I shared everything with him. Everything but Lighthouse. Whenever the topic of my family came up, I tried to divert to something else. Most of the time, Mark was respectful enough to understand, but he did try to pry at times. The tiny morsels of information I gave him seemed to sate his curiosity, but I knew eventually I would have to talk to him about it. Especially since, as we got closer to our senior year we began to talk about our future together. I only mentioned Mark to my family once, before realizing that it was better not to. My mother seemed wholly uninterested, her entire view of marital bliss having gone down the drain in recent years. Lini took an attitude as if I thought I was better than she was for having a boyfriend, and it just started a fight with my father, as he didn't like his little girl spending so much time with a boy. I'll rip his throat out if he lays a hand on you, he said his violent nature seeping out again. The irony of him saying as much while he was abusing my mother was not lost on me. It was also strange that he became so protective in that moment since he had been so distant for years. Perhaps it was meant to be more controlling than anything else. He ranted and raved after that. I let him go until he tired out, and he collapsed back in his easy chair before running to my room to cry. When I got back to college, Mark consoled me over it. He sensed what a toxic environment it was there, but he wrongfully assumed it was just because of my family. But he was so kind and sweet to me, and assured me that after school ended, I wouldn't have to go back to that house ever again if I didn't want to. And I didn't want to. I wanted to be with him. Unfortunately, he didn't get to keep that promise. 
At the beginning of our next semester, I found Mark consoling another young co-ed in our bed when I came home from class early one day. He had been consoling many others in our bed over the years, because college was a time to have some fun. I had staked my entire life on this man, only for him to break my heart into a million pieces. I watched the life we had planned together, the one I had carefully constructed in my head over the years, crumble before my eyes. I dropped out of school during my final semester. I should have stuck it out, since I had worked so hard, but it was too late to find affordable housing, and Mark was in all my classes. I couldn't handle going to a class and seeing him there every single day. The heartbreak was too much to handle. I packed my things, and within a week, I was back at Lighthouse. As the cab pulled up to the long driveway, the house looming in the distance, my heart dropped to my stomach. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to get stuck in a rut like the rest of my family and be chained to a place I hated. I didn't want to lose myself in Lighthouse with no hope of ever getting out. Foolishly, I put all my eggs in one basket, with college and with Mark, and when the rug was taken out from under me, I had no backup plan. Now I was forced to come up with a new life plan, or be trapped there forever. When the cab stopped in front of the house to let me out, I happened to glance to the third story window. Standing there behind the glass was the man in the hat. A ghastly smile formed on his lips as he tipped his hat in my direction, welcoming me back home. I read something more into this gesture, something far more sinister. As he disappeared backward into the shadows, I saw something more than a simple greeting. This was a message. A message that said I belonged to Lighthouse. And no matter what I did to get away, there was no escape. Lighthouse will return after these messages. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And now, back to Lighthouse. Being as how it was early February and I should have been in class, my mother was unsure of who I was when I found her in the solarium. I startled her out of a midday stupor, an empty bottle of Chardonnay by her side on one of the long couches. Her glassy eyes were unfocused in the sharp sunlight, and at first she confused me for Lini. When I helped her sit up and told her it was me, she shook her head as if to try to shake the drunk away. Her hands, cold and clammy, reached out for me and cupped my face. A smile appeared as she kissed my forehead, telling me she was happy I came home. Until her expression changed, she asked me why I was home. I hadn't cried on anyone's shoulder, let alone my mother's, for years. But in that moment, I needed her more than ever. I let it all out, from the blissful ignorance of my relationship with Mark to the eventual downfall of our life together. She listened, and for the first time in forever, I felt like my mother was truly there for me. She caressed my hair as I poured my heart out and continued to hold me until the tears stopped flowing. When I finally lifted my head up, she looked at me and told me how sorry she was, right before she slapped me across the face. I was too shocked to feel it at first, but my hand instinctively went to my cheek. Foolish girl, she uttered as it began to sting. You should know better. She walked out of the solarium, leaving me alone to cry again, but this time for a wholly different reason. I sobbed in silence, my eyes looking toward the lighthouse outside. Later that night, I somehow mustered up enough courage to join my family for dinner. My mother was already seated, leaning by her side, holding on to that teddy bear she found in the dark room. Once Leany saw me, she bounded up and wrapped me in a big hug. I hadn't seen her since I returned as she presumably was in the dark room. But seeing her now did bring a tiny bit of joy to my day. I fiercely hugged her back. I'm so happy you're home, she whispered in my ear. Before I could respond, she followed up with, Abigail is too. At the mere mention of the name, my body unconsciously recoiled back from her. But she didn't seem to notice. She sat back down, placing Abigail on the table next to her plate as I studied her. Dinner had apparently come in the middle of her applying makeup, as there was a dark patch on her right cheek where she apparently started to apply some rouge and then stopped to come down to eat. We picked at her food for a few minutes, an undercooked chicken that my mother didn't mind risking salmonella for, when much to my surprise, my father appeared in the doorway. 
He had somehow tore himself away from his busy schedule of locking himself away in his study to join us. He slumped down into his chair and looked up at me and then to my mother. What's she doing here? He asked to everyone but me. Tara's home now, my mother replied. My father finally looked back at me. School's done? He asked. It is for me, I told him miserably, still picking at my dinner. What's that supposed to mean? He said. She and Mark broke up. My mother chimed in before I had a chance to say anything else. He cheated on her. A silence fell over the table. No one quite sure what to say next. I was embarrassed that my mother told my father, as I would have preferred to tell him on my own terms. But it was out in the open now, with no going back. My father broke the hush on his own. Good, he said, shoveling a forkful of half-raw chicken in his mouth. I never liked him anyway. Abigail never liked him either. Lini followed with quickly. My father roared at her in response. What did I tell you about Abigail? He yelled, leaping from his seat with a quickness I wasn't aware he was still capable of. I told you I don't want her anywhere near the dinner table, let alone you speaking that name in this house again. Do you hear me? Lini's eyes looked down at her plate, quick to comply. A meek, sorry, escaped her lips. What was that? He roared again, still staring at her. Her eyes darted in his direction for a second before looking away again. It dawned on me then that the dark spot was not an interrupted makeup attempt, but instead a bruise, one that looked fairly fresh. At some point, my father had apparently added hitting my sister in his repertoire. I'm sorry, she said louder this time. All the while, my mother ignored the goings-on. That's what I thought, he said. You listen to me if you know what's good for you, you hear? It was clear to me that things had degraded even further in the past few months, with both my sister and my mother living in fear of my father. Each was eager to ignore the plights of the other as a way to escape his wrath, if only for a few seconds. But now that I was home, now that I was forced to be here again, it wasn't how I wanted to live. I refused to be under his thumb, meekly obeying him. No one was standing up to him, no one said a thing. But I wasn't going to stand for that. I don't know what came over me then, but a single word escaped my lips. No! The room fell silent again. Lini gave me only the briefest of glances, clutching Abigail tight, while my mother turned her head. My father, still standing, slowly walked over to me, rubbing the scar on his palm, a feat of champions in his apparently inebriated state. He placed a hand on the back of my chair and leaned in close, his sour breath causing me a bit of nausea. What was that, smart mouth? I turned my head and looked him square in the eyes, stealing all of my nerves to stand up to him. I said no. I felt the impact of his hand before I saw it. A backhanded slap sent me sprawling off the chair and onto the dining room floor. My father's eyes burned with hatred as they stared down at me. How dare you, he bellowed, you ungrateful little bitch. I said nothing. I just laid there on the floor, my hand cradling my face from his hit. In a single day, both my parents had struck me, and the emotional repercussions of that were worse than the physical ones. You think just because you run off and leave your family to get an education that you can disrespect a man in his own goddamn house? You think you're so goddamn special? He was working himself up into a frenzy now, spittle flying from his lips as he raised his voice higher and higher. His avalanche of emotions scared me, 
as it was apparent that he kept all this in for years, bottling it up to all come out at once. I don't care what fancy books you learn from out there, but this here is my house. My house! And you will obey my rules! To accentuate his point, he took my chair and tossed it backwards, shattering the wood backing. My sister flinched as it cracked while my mother finally looked in my direction, my eyes silently pleading for help, anyone's help, but neither of them moved muscle as my father continued. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have been in this mess, you know. You forget all I did for you, all the money I spent on you trying to make you well, but if you're going to be back here... You're going to have to learn some respect, and I'll be goddamned if you don't respect me in my own goddamned house. And if you don't, I will teach you some respect. You understand me? Do you? Every part of my brain screamed at me to agree, to say whatever needed to be said to stop this before it got any worse. But something inside me refused to do so. I couldn't stop the words from spilling from my lips, and I regretted them almost as soon as they came out. Fuck. You. The air in the room changed. It became stale and lifeless. Like we were running out of the finite amount of oxygen we were locked in there with. Lini gasped. And my mother looked shocked that such words would ever be uttered in her presence. And my father. A fire raged behind his eyes as his brain began to comprehend the disobedience I had displayed. Behind him. In the darkening hallway over his left shoulder stood the man in the hat. He looked on, a smile crossing his face as he nodded his head, clearly enjoying how this scene was unfolding before him. You little bitch, my father said, drawing my attention back to him as he undid his belt and wound it around his hand. I'll teach you some respect. He whipped me with the belt. The buckle slashing a thin cut across my arm. I cried in surprise, beads of blood falling onto the floor. I crawled backward, trying to get away, but the buckle found its target again, and again, my arm again, my leg, and even once across my cheek. My father kept coming toward me, dark circles growing under his eyes, and his body stinking of sweat. Every strike, I begged him to stop, and yet he didn't. I finally backed up against the wall as he stood towering over me. I put my hands up to my face to block the next blow as he prepared one, but it never came. I chanced to look, and saw that my mother had grabbed the belt in mid-swing, preventing it from hitting me again. Get away from her, Henry, she said, with a slight tremble in her voice. He turned to her, his fury growing, but my mother didn't care. Despite her flaws, she had had enough of his abuse. She looked at me and shouted, RUN! I didn't hesitate. I got up, ran towards Lini, and pulled her with me out of the room. We ran out of the dining room and into the main hall. Behind us, we heard our father strike our mother, the impact reverberating through the house. But we didn't stop. Self-preservation was the only thing on our mind. I directed us towards the stairs. My hope was that we could barricade ourselves in a room up there while we called for help. We had only taken the bottom step when he appeared around the corner, a murderous gleam in his eye. Get back here, you little bitches! We bound up the stairs as fast as we could. He gave chase, taking the steps two at a time to close the gap between us. My mother appeared behind him as well, still trying to stop the madness. 
Once we were up the stairs, we made down the hall for one of the spare bedrooms. We passed a window and I could see the lighthouse in the night. Though it was dark earlier, that was no longer the case. The glow was back. I was distracted. It stopped me cold in my tracks. I stared at it, the glowing, pulsing brighter than I had ever seen. As if energized by the goings-on in the house, this frightened me more than anything else. Because it meant that it was going to get worse. This momentary distraction was all the time my father needed to gain on us. Thankfully, he tripped on the top step, giving us a few seconds to escape and my mother time to catch up with him. She threw herself at him, jumping onto his back, clawing at his face. Hell hath no fury like a woman protecting her young, and I was never more glad to see her do so. I don't know why, but Lini and I stopped running for safety and instead watched their struggle. Mother had the upper hand first, managing to get the belt away from him, but my father was stronger. He stood up. My mother still attached to his back until he slammed himself backwards into a wall. My mother let go of my father, slumping to the floor. He turned on her wildly, aiming to strike, but she avoided a punch and went for his legs. Somehow he managed to keep his balance and grabbed her by the hair, pulling her off of him. Just beyond them again was the man in the hat, watching intently, the sinister smile never leaving his face. My parents paid him no mind as they continued to fight, my father striking her again and again, weakening her defenses. They were dangerously close to the railing, separating part of the hallway of the second floor from the drop down to the first. For each scratch my mother lashed out with, my father returned two blows. I could see mother slowing down as Lini began to cry. He pulled my mother up and hit her in the face again and again as the man in the hat got closer. His grin was ear to ear now, filled with bloodlust. My mother's back was to the railing now, the wood the only thing preventing her from going over. But I saw what my father intended to do. With one strong thrust, my father pushed my mother through the railing. It cracked beneath her as she tumbled backward over it and down to the floor below. Lighthouse will return after a word from our sponsors. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. 
Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And now, Lighthouse continues. Lainey screamed and wrestled out of my grip. She ran down the stairs into my mother's side. My father just stood there, looking down at them, breathing heavily. When he didn't make a move, I thought it was safe enough to follow, and ran down to my mother as well. She stared upward, unmoving, but thankfully still breathing. Lainey pulled her head into her lap and caressed her hair, crying into it, repeating, Please don't die, mother. Please don't die. I love you. I ran for the kitchen. I dialed the police and tried to gather my thoughts to explain what had happened. The line rang and rang and rang, a seemingly endless call until finally the operator picked up on the other end. Just as I opened my mouth to ask for help, Lee let out a blood-curdling scream from the hall. I dropped the phone, leaving the person on the other end hanging as I made my way back to her. I stopped short when I saw her still holding my unmoving mother, staring down the end of the hall. My father must have come down the stairs when I went for the phone because now he was coming out of his study. He held the shotgun, the one from the trophy wall in his hands. He wasn't done with us yet. He intended to finish the job. Get up, he said to Lini and pointed the shotgun straight at her. She didn't move at first, still cradling our mother's head. My father pointed the gun at the ceiling above him, pulled the trigger. The blast made us all jump as it echoed within the hallways of the house. He aimed it back at Lini. I said, get up! This time she did, gently lowering my mother's head to the ground. Lini, tears streaming down her face pleaded for her life as my father moved closer. Lini, I said, trying to be calm. Come to me. You're not going anywhere, my father replied, moving the end of the shotgun between us both. Lini, I said again. She started to move toward me, but my father had other ideas. He aimed for her and pulled the trigger again. The blast struck her legs, knocking her to the ground, her cries of agony bringing me to tears. I'll teach you to disobey me, you little bitch, my father said as he looked at me. He started to reload his shotgun, pulling a shell from his pocket. I'm coming for you next. You have to the count of five. One. I didn't move. I didn't want to leave both my mother and Lini there to incur his wrath, but I also hoped to keep his attention on me to get away from them. Two. I didn't have much time to think, but I wasn't sure what my decision would be. Three. Run! Lini yelled at me, and that did it for me. I took off down the hall again, back toward the kitchen. Four. I grabbed the dangling phone and yelled for them to send help. Five. 
I took off again, this time toward the pantry. I hoped that somehow I could lure my father down into the basement and lose him among the stacks and rows to double back up the stairs and lock him inside. It wasn't the best of plans, but it was the only one I had. I threw open the basement door and nearly tumbled down the stairs. My legs still sore from the beating he gave me earlier slowed my progress. I had to be quiet down here, not give away where I was hiding, and then maybe, just maybe, my plan would work. My eyes darted around in the darkness for somewhere to hide. There weren't many things to hide behind down here. There was only one suitable hiding place that came to mind. The dark room. I made my way toward it as I heard my father's footfalls overhead coming for me. I was glad to find the dark room's door open. Once inside, I huddled down and held my breath, listening. He was coming down the stairs. The creak of every step was like the sound of my own death approaching. When he reached the bottom, he cried out again. Come out here, Tara. Don't make this worse for yourself. I covered my mouth, trying to quiet myself more and waited. There was only silence. Was this a trick? I waited some more, straining my ears to listen for him. But there was still nothing. Where was he? As I hid there in the dark of the basement, I decided to brave a look and peered around the doorframe of the dark room. I nearly screamed when I spotted my father at the end of the row, shotgun still in hand, his shoulders heaving. He merely stood there, a hulking form in the dark. It looked as if he was collecting his thoughts, determining his next move. My breath caught in my throat as I saw movement on his right side. A swirling mass of darkness, almost imperceptible to the human eye, if not for the slight contrast between the gloom of the basement and the darkness of its form. It was the shadowy thing, leaning over my father, whispering in his ear again. It wrapped itself around him, tendrils of its darkness seeping into my father's skin as it became part of him. Even from where I was standing, I could see the light go out in his eyes, the fire replaced by a funeral pyre of blackness. I was frozen with fear. Not believing what I saw, I clenched my eyes shut, hoping that my old trick would help wish it away. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. I took a breath and opened my eyes. My father was still there, the shadowy thing still forcing its way inside him. Just like the way it bulged and stretched out the walls, it did the same with sections of his flesh. It was revolting. Just before the last of it absorbed into him, he looked up, and what was left of his eyes met mine. I dropped back. Hopeful that it was a mere coincidence, but in my heart, I knew better. I heard the gravel crunch under his boots as he made his way toward me. I panicked. In the heat of my fight or flight, I wasn't thinking clearly and had backed myself into a literal corner by hiding in the dark room. There was nowhere to hide in there, nowhere to run, but this is where I would make my final stand. If this was the moment I would die, I was going to go down fighting. I had only seconds before he arrived, so I frantically began to look for something, a weapon of some sort, to defend myself. My hands searching the shelf, knocking photo albums and chemicals from places they had sat for for years. But alas, there was nothing. In my desperation, I had a moment of clarity. It had been years since the incident, but I thought back to the first time I found Leany down here, laughing with Abigail. 
She held a hunting knife out to me then, before I took it and hid it away beneath the workbench. It was a long shot, but it was my only chance. I fell to my knees, my hands searching for the hidden shelf beneath the bench, fingers grasping for purchase. But there was nothing, no shelf, no knife, and sadly, no hope. I pulled my hand back only to brush up against something solid. The knife! Somehow I missed it earlier, but it was still there! I grabbed it and jumped to my feet, pressing myself against the wall adjacent to the doorway. My father's shape filled the small doorway as he was too tall to walk in directly. His body blocked what little light was allowed in the room, and I was plunged into darkness. I could see the glint of the shotgun's barrel poke through first, its tip almost sniffing the air, searching for me. I raised the hunting knife above my head, but hesitated, taking in the weight of what I was about to do. This was my father, the man who raised me, who cared for me, who comforted me when it was needed. Our relationship had not been good for years, but in that moment, I remembered all the good times that had come before, followed shortly by all the bad. He was also the man who beat my mother near daily, who wasted his life away drinking in his study, and now was coming to kill me. Using all the strength I could muster, I plunged the knife downward directly into his left shoulder. It met very little resistance as it slid into him like I was carving a Thanksgiving turkey. He screamed, a mixture of pain and fury as he dropped the shotgun to the ground. I tried to be quick to grab it before he did, but he somehow managed to turn his body and land a punch into my sternum. With the wind knocked out of me, I slumped back against the wall, trying to regain my footing. I watched as my father fully entered the room. As he reached for the knife, still lodged in his back, he managed to grab it and I heard his skin rip as he tore it out. He threw it to the ground, blackness swirling around him. I grabbed for the knife, but he kicked it away out of the dark room and far out of my reach. I struggled to catch my breath, but he was already on me. His hands found their way around my throat and squeezed, pulling me away from the wall and down onto the ground into the dirt. He straddled me, his hands never losing their grip as he began to use his leverage to pull my head off the ground before slamming it back down again. The first time he did this, my vision went bright. The pain at the back of my head competed for attention with my gasping lungs, neither of them really winning the battle. I struggled against him, my hands reaching for his, trying to pry them off to no avail as I felt my consciousness slip away. He slammed my head against the floor and my consciousness came back to reality. Blood from his shoulder dripped down, splashing onto me and into my mouth, making it even harder to breathe. The only thing I could focus on was the raving madness that consumed my father. My eyes pleading with him, trying to reach a part of him that still loved me, but I was failing. There was nothing but hatred there, as his fingers clasped tighter. I thrashed my legs, trying to find enough purchase to tip him off balance, anything to help relieve the tension on my throat. I tried to jam my fingers into his eyes, but I was losing ground and my strength was leaving me by the second. I began to see things, white spots appearing at the corner of my vision as my body struggled for a breath of fresh air. I felt my limbs betray me as I willed them to keep moving, but they slowed to a crawl. I felt myself drifting away as my brain told me to stop fighting and let it all go. Just a few more seconds, and I could finally be at peace. The darkness began to encroach in on me, and I saw the man in the hat one final time, standing behind my father, a hand on his bleeding shoulder as he smiled at me. 
and I hated that his face would be the last thing I saw. I closed my eyes, and as my last breath escaped my body, I finally found solace in the fact that if my only escape from Lighthouse would be death, and so be it. I let go. Embracing the open arms of my demise, I felt relief. I was free. Fresh air filled my lungs. I was confused. I was so sure I was dead, so okay with that fact that I was almost angry that I could breathe again. I opened my eyes to see my father still above me, but he looked different. The darkness could no longer be found behind his eyes. Instead, they looked like two wide saucers staring at me in shock. His mouth parted as drops of blood fell from it and onto my face. He hung that way for a second before he collapsed, the full force of his weight landing on me. The air my body was so desperate for moments ago escaped again. There was something sticking out of the back of my father's head. I had to focus on it to make sure I was not imagining it. It was the hunting knife, buried in the base of his skull up to the hilt. My father was dead. I looked above him expecting to see the man in the hat standing there, but he wasn't. It was Lini. Her eyes were equally as wide as my father's were. She was in shock and on the verge of a full-blown panic attack. I tried to call out to her as the realization of what occurred came to me. Lini had somehow made her way down to the basement to save me, at the cost of taking the life of the man she called her father. That decision was something that would stay with her for the rest of her life. With what little strength that was returning, I managed to push his body off of me. It rolled to the side with a sick thump that almost made me pass out again. Lini covered her mouth in horror. I... I killed him. I took my little sister into my arms and we both began to cry. The events of the day had taken a toll on us both, but there was a sense of catharsis as we let it out. I shielded her from the view of his body, but I couldn't take my eyes off of this lifeless husk that had once been my father. I just didn't know when it stopped being him. I could blame his misfortunes and that alcohol for creating the thing that he had become, but deep inside, I knew that wasn't really him. He had tried to protect us from Lighthouse, from the darkness living inside it, but we had foolishly come here anyway. And when we did, once that darkness got him into its clutches, it consumed him from the inside. I don't know if that rage that overtook his mind was always there bubbling beneath the surface. But I do know that the house did nothing but make it worse. The person that Lini killed that night was not our father. It was something that was twisted and distorted by an evil that gripped his soul and turned him into something he was not. Henry Michael Hollis was long gone. And now here we were, two young women huddled together in the dark, crying for what once was. We cried as someone finally arrived to help we cried as the police pulled us apart to question us about what happened. We cried when we saw our mother, broken by her fall down the stairs, but still holding on. We cried as they took our father's body away, covered by a sheet, as if that would do anything to protect us from seeing him. We cried for the nightmares that were yet to come. We cried for our ruined childhood. We cried for the impossible choice Lini had to make. 
we cried because we realized that Lighthouse's hunger for blood was sated for now. Lighthouse is a production of iHeartRadio and Bamford Productions. Chapter 4 featured the voice of Ali Trasher, written and directed by Jeff Heimbuck, audio engineering and original musical score by Corey Celeste, production assistance by Alex Gona, executive produced by Holly Fry. Questions? Comments? You can reach us at themaninthehatiswatching at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.